Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Saw the other Welcome back to Bleeding Blue. This is a New York football Giants history podcast history show. Big week. Snacks, we got a big week. And as always, I'm joined by one of my best friends, Nikki Snacks. Snacks, Kenny Galladay, Plaxico Burst comparisons. They're hot in the streets. Kenny Galladay is hot in the streets right now. Now, I, you know, we usually don't do this, but Snacks, you're on a Giants podcast and you rarely ever get to really give your input on the, the current Giants the 2021 Giants, I'm going to give you 30 seconds to talk about how you feel about Kenny Galladay, your reactions and thoughts. Okay, so I appreciate the 30 seconds, which I, I don't understand why I only get 30, but either way, it's fine. Because um, I'm a bad guy. Yeah, you're an awful guy. We, we all know that, but I know it more. So I, um, I am over overjoyed with happiness because I told you before we started, that's what I want. I wanted Kenny Galladay really bad. I, you know, Allen Robinson too, but he got franchise tag. It was never a possibility. So – the biggest free agent in the wide receiver market is we got him. And that is arguably our biggest need. And it gives Daniel Jones a weapon. Um, I know the whole separation bullshit. Fucking lose me with that. Okay. The guy catches everything. Jones is going to throw him a beautiful ball. It's going to spread the offense out more. It is, it is absolutely. I, I, I'm sure a lot of people saw my reaction video in real time when it happened. Um, I'll put it in here. Yeah. Read it again. Read it again. Um, I'm told Kenny Galladay has agreed to go to the Giants per source. Done, they said. <laughs> we got Danny's Plaxico, baby. We got his Plaxico. Come on. Yes. 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 And the Knicks are back. <sighs> yeah. I was almost moved to tears because to me, that's and I think I said I said it in the video. This is this is Jones's Burris in a set where you hope that that's the case because like we'll talk about in a minute, Eli took off when Burris got there. Maybe it's time that Jones takes off when Kenny gets there. So the fact that we were able to do it, um, we had him in the building, which seemed like two fucking months. Um, I actually thought he was murdered, and they were somebody somebody tweeted out, and I thought it was the funniest thing in the world. Uh, I think the Giants actually murdered Kenny Galladay and are figuring out who to blame or who to cover it up on. Um, so I, I thought that was great. And the more the, the more time that went on, I was like, damn, maybe this just isn't going to happen. And then, boom, that miserable fuck Justina Anderson tweets it out. And I was never so happy to see a tweet from her in my life. So, Kenny, welcome. I love you. You don't even have to play a snap. And I will always love you for coming here 
and I appreciate it. I'm also wearing glasses, by the way, because I, uh, I'm on two hours of sleep. My eyes look like shit. So I figure if I wear my glasses that I never wear because it's bullshit that glasses exist. My eyesight one day will come back with the advances in technology and science. I digress. So that's why I'm wearing these. They'll probably come off mid-episode. But that's what I just wanted to say. Great to see you, buddy. I think you look great today. I mean, this is the last three episodes that I'm commenting on your looks. It's not It's not a good look yeah. for me. Maybe, no, it's maybe, okay, it, maybe it's a good look for me, but it's, it's an even better look for you. I think the hair looks pretty good today. You, you did get a haircut, right? I did. I told you I would have a haircut for this episode, and here it is. So then the glasses, it makes you look more astute, and you're even growing a little bit of a beard right now. I feel like if you didn't have the glasses on, the eyes would go straight to the to the little bit of the beard that you're growing. But since you have the glasses on, it's a good, perfect balance between hair, glasses, beard. Correct. And um, i normally not a fan of having a beard. I like a clean-shaved face. Um but I am also a lazy piece of shit, and I just don't feel like shaving it. So, you, you know who else had stay. a beard? Grizzly Adams. Grizzly Adams. Grizzly Adams, Grizzly Adams did, did have, have a, beard. a beard. All right. So, where do you want to start? Because there's two different areas in which we can attack this episode. I think I want to say I, I know which one I want to go to second, because the reason why we're going to be talking about Plaxico Burst to start the show is because, the, like I said, the comparisons between Kenny Galladay. And Plaxico Burris, like it, it, it's hot in the streets. That's all that people are talking about right now. Do you want to talk about maybe comparisons as like a player? We'll get that out of the way. And I think that's the easy part. And then we'll get to the whole process. Like we talked right. about the process, how long the process was. So it's so funny how these two players are so similar in the types of players that they are. And then they're also similar in the process at which it took to actually get him here and get that contract signed. So where you want to start off with like talking about them as a player, right? Yeah. Look, I think that's the way to go. It, it's, it really is just so very eerie, whether it's the, the style they play or the whole situation and process of it. So let's, I think that's a good, good start. Let's compare them as uh, as the players, which you will be very good at because I suck at that. The one I suck thing, at a lot. I suck at a lot of things. The one thing that is similar, just looking at the pro football reference pages from the top. Now, I never watched Plaxico when he was in Pittsburgh. You know, I, I really started watching the Giants and being aware of the Giants at like 05, 06. And that's when Plaxico kind of came on board. But one thing that is very similar between the two is never high catch rate. Never. But Plaxico, there were a couple years where he averaged, you know, uh, in 2004, Plaxico averaged 20 yards a catch in 11 games, 17 yards per catch in 2002. I mean, you know, big play machines. That's what that's what these guys, um, that's what both of these guys have in common. Huge catch radius. I feel like it was more commonplace, you know, maybe in the early 2000s, mid 2000s, where wide receivers, big wide receivers like like Plaxico. Now, I could be wrong here. Correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like big wide receivers were a little bit more commonplace, like the big physical wide receivers. I really feel like you can pluck off maybe five on the top of your head in today's NFL that are really physical and really win at the point of attack at an elite level. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure, there's there's physical wide receivers out there that you like, but not as it's not as commonplace now, I feel like, as it used to be. Like you wanted that big target. Now it's like most teams are happy with like an OBJ like player, a Jalen Waddle like player, a Tyree kill type like a Tyree of player, kill, right? As, yeah. yeah, the speed kills the yeah. gadget. You know, Curtis Samuel, Washington right. just got Curtis Samuel, so they're very fine with him. Um, they're fine with that kind of player. So the Plaxicos certainly don't grow on trees anymore. I feel like they never grew on trees, but they certainly don't grow on trees anymore. They're tall as trees. 
their their toes trees. And I got all day six four, Plaxico Burris six five, and Plaxico was so physical at 232 pounds. And I feel like for how fast he is, you know, I even just watched um and we're we're actually the second part of this episode will hopefully be talking about the 2007 season. We're getting into the 2007 season with Tom Coughlin's book, um, The Team to Believe in. Correct. He wrote that book. So we took two weeks off the book. We're getting back into it. First two games. And the first touchdown of the 2007 season was a 60 yard post to Plaxico Burris in Dallas. So how wonderful that we're going to probably be connecting these, these two things. So Plaxico Burris yards per catch yards per reception, huge catch percentage and catch rate kind of low, but that's because when you're being targeted deep down the field, um, that's just what's going to happen. And Kenny Galladay has that same pattern throughout his NFL career so far as well. Yes. And, um, it really is so funny how how the times of football have changed. Like a Plexico was so coveted because of his because of his height, because of his ability to catch the the balls, the contested contested throws, and everything. And Kenny, arguably, I mean, you could make it make an argument that that uh, a player comparison to Kenny Galladay is Plexico Burris. Yeah, and well, usually sometimes they can get those player comparisons can get really outlandish. Right, but like this ridiculous. is legitimate. This is very legitimate, and that's why I just find it all so funny that this is, like, the same thing. Um, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head in the, the player, how they play in the, in the comparisons. Um, so I guess talking about the process and situation, um, I keep using the word eerie because it is. They were 27 at the time they signed with the Giants. I think they each had two 1,000-yard seasons prior to that. Everything is like the same thing. And it's crazy. I, I listen, we're about to, I think you're going to tell a story mm-hmm. uh, from Ernie Palladino about the, the whole plexic. Yep. There it is. If these walls could talk um, about the whole, that whole process and him firing agent and hiring Drew Rosenhaus. Um, so, it, and like I was saying, it felt like Kenny was in our building for, for, for months. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't stop. I couldn't stay off my phone and refreshing Twitter. That's all I was doing. When is he signed? When is he signed? Or just tell me that he's not one or the other. Like, stop fucking torturing me. I'm looking up. A, I, almost, I, I think I just popped a blood vessel, by the way. Oh, boy. I'm looking yeah, I up. I don't feel good. Looking up. I kill your stats from the Love previous Ike. year, because what the Giants did with Kenny Galladay today is they replaced basically Golden Tate with Kenny Galladay. And that's and the Giants basically replaced Ike Hilliard with Plaxico Burris. So I think they kind of had a similar year. Um, I mean, sure, we can look up Golden Tate's pro football reference page next. No, nah, don't. Ike Hilliard had 49 catches on 81 targets, 437 yards, 8.9 yards per catch, zero touchdowns, 22 first downs. How so many now games let's... did you say he played? I'm sorry. Ike Hilliard played 15, he played 16 games. He started wow. 15 in that's 2004. Pretty, that's pretty abysmal number. And, and also... You know, Golden Tate, a little bit older. Ike Kelly was also on the plus side of his 30s, too. Yeah. So, I mean, I, man, to him. I think some I think some people are going to be really upset that we're doing this comparison right now. But um, let's see. Golden Tate in 2020, 35 catches, 52 targets, 388 yards, 11.1 yards per catch. So, Ike Kelly had 437 yards. So, there you go. Fuck Golden Tate. Ike Kelly still had a better year than him in 2004. Fuck Golden Tate is there right. There we go. And, and Ike Hilliard really doesn't get the appreciation that that he deserves um i actually have i actually have i kill you jersey somewhere in my closet i don't know why he was a giant for seven years i think he only played with the giants right six he was he played with the six because his rookie year he only played two games no he went on to tampa bay for about uh four years 
Four um, years. Oh, I, yeah. man, I'm sorry. I, you know, what's funny. I, I, you know, me, I, the one thing I'm, I'm good with memories is with the giants. I don't even remember that at all. Yeah. Before the show, you actually predicted the, you, not predicted. You remembered the scores perfectly of like weeks one and two from 2007. So snacks really does have a good memory, but snacks, you were talking about the process um, and the process of Kenny Galladay, bringing Kenny Galladay into the building. Um, really does have just as much comparisons to Black Circle Burris as both of they do as a player. So if these walls could talk, um, I'm probably is. not I'm probably not editing much of the episode this week. So I'm just going to show you the book instead of putting a graphic of the book. <laughs> it's a really good book. If these walls could talk, Ernie Paladino, I really do suggest it. This is chapter seven. And you guys could go back and listen. Sorry, real quick. Go back into the summer and and rewatch some of our, our old or re-listen to some of our old episodes on, on this book. And it's it is phenomenal. Yes, this summer we had a lot of fun um, of God's generals and full bird captains in chapter seven. So this chapter was about, you know, stories of Tom, Tom Coughlin, um, stories of Ernie Acorsi. And this story is about Ernie Acorsi, but the process of bringing Plaxico Burris into the building and signing his contract. Unorthodox Ernie Acorsi didn't care much for doing things strictly by the book. A fellow who did never would have picked Kerry Collins off of life's scrap heap but he didn't just deviate from the book and his moves that brought Manning and big-time receiver Plaxico Burris into the franchise one year apart. He threw it on the ground and he burned it. He burned that book of how to usually do what you usually do as a GM. The GM's most flamboyantly public move came in 2005 when he signed the 6'5", 230-pound Burris to give Manning a giant-sized target in the red zone. Burris had earned quite the reputation as a flaky malcontent. What do you think that word means? Great question. No idea. I'm going to include, so here, I said I'm not going to do that much editing. I'm going to include a definition of the word malcontent. Yeah, please do, because it's going to piss me off. That on I the screen. It is. I, actually, I actually e- usually take pride in, in my English and knowledge and, and grammar and everything. I have no idea what malcontent means. I'm probably even saying now the I word feel wrong, fucking too. Stupid. Sorry, Burris man. had earned quite the reputation. I have to sneeze. It's going to, it's going to kill me. Burris oh. had earned the, quite the reputation as a flaky malcontent in Pittsburgh, an image he would carry over to his Meadowlands career. But a courtesy only saw him as a great replacement for Ike Hilliard, whose body was deemed to be too battered to remain effective and a larger, more athletic complement to 31-year-old Damani Toomer. Of course, he began checking out Burris's personality quirks with Steelers head coach Bill Cower and general manager Kevin Colbert. Does that not sound familiar? Joe Judge checking in. Um, we have uh, O'Brien in the building, you know, that executive that we hired over from Detroit. And then also probably he gave some calls over to friend Matt Patricia. Kind of sounds mm-hmm. familiar. Mm-hmm. They told him Burris was cut for financial reasons. And they gave the man three years removed from a 78 catch, 1300 yard, seven touchdown season, glowing reviews, a meeting with Coughlin and his coaches at Giants Stadium, dinner at Manhattan's famed Smith and Walensky Steakhouse, a New Jersey Nets game that night. And an additional pitch from no less Tiki Barber the following Whoa! day had Burris all but signed, sealed, and delivered. A fun fact about Ernie Palladino, he really does shit on T. He shits on Tiki Barber in a very respectful way in this book, and that's partially it's, it's, why. It's subliminal. Yeah, it's very subliminally subliminal. shits yep. on him. Yep. Like, I love how, like, whenever he brings him up, he's like, none other than Yeah, Tiki. yeah, yeah. <laughs> So snacks, like Tiki um, Barber's like was the besides Strahan was like the best player on the team. No shit, he should be courting him. None other than Tiki Barber. It's, it's so uh, Dan Duggan, you know, friend of the program and awesome beat reporter from the Athletic, okay. he also wrote a story comparing the two process, comparing the two players statistically and the process of getting him here. So what's a fun story that Paladino doesn't say in this book about the whole steakhouse thing? 
Yes. So I, 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 I love this so much. Um, so Duggan actually, he wrote an article, I guess it was today or yesterday yeah. about the, the similarities. And um, I'll read the, the little blurb real quick because I find it so great. General manager, of course, he wanted everything to be perfect when Plexico Burris visited the Giants as a free agent in 2005. So, of course, he went the extra mile when the wide receiver he coveted wanted to have dinner at Sparks Steakhouse in New York City. Sparks is such a big, famous place that they'll make you wait even if you have a reservation, of course, he said. I didn't want to take any chances. We sent a rep over there with cash and said, don't make us wait for the table. What is this? What is this, the mob? Uh, that's um, what it sounds like. It really does. It's amazing. Uh, and you know how I feel about the mob. But uh, the dinner went smoothly, confirming for a Corsi and the coaching staff that Burris was the piece their offense needed. And a Corsi got the impression that Burris wanted to sign with the Giants. But negotiations between a Corsi and Burris agent Michael Harrison proved fruitless. I hate that word, fruitless. Um, everything was going great, but the demands were so high, there was no way I was going to be able to sign him. Of course, he said, um, I mean, I obviously did. And I just want to give a real quick. I just want to give Ernie, of course, he props for a second. When he covets a guy, he gets him, huh? Like yeah. he coveted Eli and he they made everything happen that trade to get him. Apparently, he coveted Plexco Burris and he sent a rep with cash in a, in a duffel bag and, and probably a shock on his, in his back. He got LaVar Arrington. Yeah, stop. Sorry, we talked about him. He last did time. get LeVar. Yeah, but it's true. He 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 got the guys. He covered it. But go ahead. I'm sorry. The, the state. It, it's incredible to me how that 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 was the the courtship of him and and he wanted a steakhouse so badly and they went above and beyond to make sure that they could sit that night in that steakhouse and eat I mean, with. You would work. just think that. Oh, we're the Giants. Like, just have a seat ready for us. But no, I mean, I guess yeah. you're not showing up to a place saying we're the Giants. I guess right. you're not technically doing that. You can't do it. It, it almost it, when I read that, it was like uh, um, I thought back to Dave Portnoy of Barstool when he does his pizza reviews. And there's this great place in Brooklyn that I've been to numerous times called Defara. It's probably one of the best slices of pizza I've ever had. But the weight is insane. And he even said on that review, he's like, they, they wouldn't even. They, I was like a, a regular person. I had to wait 45 minutes for one slice of pizza. <laughs> so it kind of it, it kind of gave me memories like that. But. Yeah, so, something else. So everything's going great. Everything's going dandy. Went to a New Jersey Nets game now. Which is bullshit, says, too, by the way. Sorry, because the Knicks are back. Free plug. Sorry. Here it says Smith and Wolenski Steakhouse. You said Sparks Steakhouse. Yeah, Duggan said Sparks. That's, is that's it what, not? I mean, is it the same maybe, thing? Nickname? Maybe the name change? Yeah, no, but Ernie wrote that. F- I mean, Palladino wrote this in the mid like 2010s right and duggan just came out with this oh yeah so i we have we, to do a little research on this we have a dispute because now now i'm confused we have a dispute and then everything's going fine and dandy his agent plaxico burris's agent michael harris got into it burris disappeared and of course he learned soon after that harrison was also negotiating with the vikings i was right i was, was right vikings, yeah. i got into it i was having a conversation with somebody on twitter and I was like, oh, yeah, we already covered this story on, on Bleeding Blue over the summer. And I was like, I think it was the Vikings. I'm proud. Mm-hmm. Good for me. He was using the Giants to drive the price up. The general manager wasn't just angry. He was livid, ticked off to a nuclear level. Why the fuck would I take you to a steakhouse, pay for your dinner, and now you're going to pull? It's like, I got a belly full, belly full of white dog crap dog on shit. me. You like this, you like this shit on this me? shot on me. <laughs> I got a belly full of white dog crap in me. 
And now you laid this shit on me? (laughs) He was ticked off to a nuclear lever. Of course, he responded in a way he had never done before or since. He issued a press release. This is where it gets uh, this is This is my favorite. This is unbelievable. I, I don't think anybody would do this. This is where Today, this is where the Kenny Galladay and the Plaxico Burris process is a lot different. Correct. Because you think Dave Gettleman is about to say what Ernie Corsi says? Go ahead. Yeah. So he issued a press release declaring the Giants had pulled their offer and were no longer interested in Burris. With that one very public move, he took away all of Harrison's leverage, but it didn't come without consequences. As soon as I pulled the plug on the offer, I get word that Philadelphia is willing to throw a lot of money at him for just one year, of course, he said. I went to Tom and I said, if we have to play against him and Terrell Owens, we're in deep trouble. And they were at least week one. We're going to get to this week one game. They were week one against Terrell Owens. Oh boy, did he show out that game. Uh-huh. But it never came to that, Snacks. A nope, couple of days later, not. Harrison ran into player personnel director Jerry Reese on a scouting trip and pleaded his case. Little did he know that a competing agent, Drew Rosenhaus, was in the parking lot and was viewing the entire conversation from the car behind them, which ridiculous <laughs> wild ridiculous wild. like just drew rosenhouse like just adjusting his mirror as jerry reese and plaxico burris's agent have a conversation it's, so it's two- almost it's almost like an ex-girlfriend yeah wa- watching uh you know their ex on a date uh-huh. a new a new date with somebody two days <laughs> so crazy two days after the cloak and dagger exchange burris dropped harrison and picked up rosenhaus his third agent of the season and fifth of his career league rules acquired this is my favorite part of the story yep league rules required a five-day waiting period before a new agent started negotiating for his client but never one to let legalities get in the way of a lucrative deal rosenhaus called a course immediately (laughs) (laughs) i mean (laughs) rosenhaus had no rules like he does whatever he wants, when he wants, and however it's going to work, he gets it done. So I, I always have had a lot of respect for Drew Rosenhaus. Next question. So it's Next funny, question. It's funny I don't know here. If you remember that press conference. It's funny here that I say, uh, stop here. League rules are so bullshit. Tampering, I said. That's 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 the note. That's the note that I have in, in, yeah, in yeah. my book right now, in my sloppy doctor handwriting. Um, it's not worse than Bobby's handwriting. No, it's not. Sheesh. Well, he he said he said he writes that, with his eyes shut. He writes with his eyes shut. He's also a lefty, and lefties are tough on when you write on whiteboards. Wait, he's a lefty? That's what he said. I don't believe him. I There's thought he no was a way he's a lefty. Well, actually, lefties are really weird, so that would make a little sense. Yeah, and I guess I, mean, I think he was like a left tackle in college. So, I mean, if, if, if it's a lot easier for – you would think it would be a lot easier for a left tackle to be a – a lefty to be a left tackle. So. You would, yeah, you, you would think. Um, I, I just want to go on record real quick. I know I'm sorry. Uh, Bobby was probably as good at left tackle as Nate Solander has been on the Giants. Boom. Wow. Yep. Keep going. Wow. He keeps wow. saying, hey, out of nowhere, he'll just say, I, I, I'm listening to Talking Giants. I'm in the chat. Oh, fuck snacks. Come on, Bobby. That ain't right. So now on my pot, I'm going to drop some shit on you too. I love Bobby. Great guy. All right, good for you. Great guy. I love him. Corsi and Rosenhaus agreed to hold off talking. The day the waiting period ended on March 17th, Rosenhaus headed to Giants Stadium, and the two hashed out a six-year, $25 million, $25 million contract in 15 minutes. Manning <laughs> in, had 15, his in 15 minutes. In 15 minutes. Manning had his, his tall target. Burst would make all of Acorsi's trouble worthwhile with a late fourth-quarter touchdown catch that beat the undefeated Patriots in Super Bowl 42. Throw the book away. Yeah. That's 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 the what do they call it a, a mic drop mic drop um 
Yeah, it's 15 minutes. 15 minutes. Why do I have a feeling, though? Why do Uh-oh. I have a feeling that this, you know, that this Kenny Galladay process, right? I have a feeling that Joe Judge and company grilling, grilling Galladay about, you know, you know, how's the hip? Uh, how are you as a player? Are you bought into what we're doing? This is what we're about. Um, you know, they went out to dinner. You know, apparently Jason Garrett was a part of that dinner, which boggles my mind how Jason Garrett was not at the senior bowl with Patrick Graham and Joe judge, but he was a part of the recruiting for Kenny Galladay. Sure. Why? Um, but I have a feeling that whole process, you know, they whine it, not necessarily whining and dining, but asking him questions, making sure that he's having a good time. And then the contract takes like 10 minutes. Yeah. You know, the the whole, and I I kept reading it. I'm sorry. I was so sick of hearing like culture fit and whatnot, but I, I get it. Like judge is very, um, you know, he's very like he's a hard ass with that shit. So I understand. But what was going on in Detroit? I never heard like any bad things about Kenny Galladay before. You know, like he, there wasn't like baggage. I looked up what the word malcontent means. Tell me. A person who is dissatisfied and rebellious. OK, see, Justin, I knew exactly what it meant, but I wanted to, I want I wanted you to you find out for yourself. Bullshit. Yeah, I don't bullshit. You no, you did not know what that meant. I don't bullshit. Just like people were, people were, people were yelling at me on Twitter yesterday, saying, "You net, you said Kenny would never go there." It's just not true. I you was the one. Never that said s- that Kenny Galladay had zero percent chance of signing with the Giants. You I didn't always say that said one hundred percent chance. Yeah, people don't understand. People don't understand methods to madness. Okay, and that's what really disappoints me about the human race nowadays. Okay, there's a lot of other things in the world that people should get on people for. Not understanding things is something I don't get, especially me. I am the most forward-coming person. I am so easy to understand, Justin. I may be the most easy person to understand in the world. I agree. If you ask me. I agree. All right, so that's uh, that's how the Giants got Plaxico Burris in the building. Crazy, crazy. There was another thing I, had, I wanted to say about all that, but I just completely forgot. It arguably so this is, you know, we're fine. The similarities are in the big picture things. It took a long time. He visited for a little bit. They went out to dinner. Like even Jabril Peppers took out Kenny Galladay. Mm-hmm. And I found that to be so cool, by the way. Yeah, um, I loved I loved that shit. Got a couple free meals. Um, There's a couple offers on the table. I know six years, 24 million was the initial offer. Then Plaxico accepted six years for 25 million. Um, You know, Kenny Galladay had a one-year offer from the Giants. And then he also had the multi-year deal that he wound up taking, which is good for him. So... You have something to say? No, I have a question. Yes. Maybe I missed it in my like 12 hours of celebrating yesterday. The Giants offered him a one-year deal? Yeah, I, I, they, I think they gave him the option. Like, dude, do you really? want to just take a one-year deal? Now, I, I can't oh, wow. tell you on the top. I can't top, tell you on the top of my head per source. I can't tell you yeah, that yeah, much. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. No, I, no I, but it was out there. It was out there. The Giants yeah. gave him, like, you, you're going to either take a one-year deal, maybe take a chance on yourself, or take the multi-year deal, which yeah, I don't know I, why. I don't know why guys would ever, unless you really, like, I really think I can rock and roll and I really think I can get more. Right. Right. Which, I had I had no idea. So so like I know a lot of these receivers like Will Fuller, Juju Smith, they took one year deals because the cap's gonna go up and maybe they want to prove it this year, have a better year than yeah. they did the previous year, and then capitalize on the exploding cap next year. I had no idea about the one year deal. And I don't I don't know if I would have loved that. I I think I would have hated the one year deal. I really yeah. do, because if he explodes. Wait, 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 then we'll franchise tag him. It's gonna be a whole like Leonard Williams bullshit again, yeah, but we'll yeah. back and forth. Lock him in long term. So I wow, I didn't know that. Good tidbit. Yeah, you're, you're useful sometimes. He's bought in. 
I mean, that's what that's yeah. that's what you can say from that. Yeah, I think uh, I, I don't know if the, it was the Talking Giants page or Bobby's page, but when he answered the question about we haven't even stepped on a practice field yet, yeah, like that yeah. is such a Joe Judge answer. Yeah, um, that, that, that had me dying. And he's Washington. also a liar too, by the way, because he said he bought into Jason Jason Garrett's uh, system. So Kenny's a liar. But anyway, just catch. Plaxico, just catch. Plaxico bought in for the 07 season. Giants bought into what Tom Coughlin was doing and, his, and the changes that he made. Snacks were getting back into the book. So what we did two weeks ago, two, two, three weeks ago now, we talked about training camp. We talked about the preparation leading up to the season. Tom Coughlin already changed his philosophy. So what we're going to be ending off this episode with is talking about the first two games of the 07 season for both kind of fun games. Second one was not fun. The first game was fun. The first game um, was very fun. It was back and forth all game. Yeah. Um, so what, what is a talk, talk to me about Tom Coughlin's perspective on those. Two yeah. First so, games. so there's a lot. And I know we, we spent a, a good portion of this show on Plax and Kenny, but rightfully so that's the hot topic. I know it's history, but Plax go is history. So we talk about it. Um, yeah. So the Giants started 0 two with losses to Dallas and, and green Bay in their, in their openers. And I, I'm sorry, I, I have it like marked out because um, I thought of you when I read it and Coughlin's like, there are dozens of ways coaches prepare for games, but all of us at some point in the process rely on stats and tape. Football is a game in numbers, first downs, percentage, blah, blah, blah. Wow. Come on, baby. Tom Coughlin. That's a 67-year-old huh? man talking to man, you. Man, I, I ought to fucking tweet that out and say, Tom Coughlin, said, like, put it in quotes, and then I'm going to do two spaces for a paragraph, and I'm going to say, suck my dick, Justin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, boom. I've been right the whole time. If yeah. Coach Coughlin, a Hall of Famer, could say this, so could I. Yeah, YouTube uh, comments. Yeah. Stupid Fuck. asses. Listen. Don't listen to anybody on YouTube, okay? How many times I get called ugly on, on when I'm on YouTube? Turf. You're a beautiful man. Stop Turfful. it. I think I'm well, – no, I'm pretty ugly, but it's fine. I don't care. Um, and it's, All right, so then, then he – so he starts off by talking about the, the week of preparation for Dallas and, and how a, a typical work week would look like in, you know, in the building. And it, it, I know we've talked about this in the past when we did the training camp hours the hours that these people are in the building and working and just like watching tape, like what, how many possible things can you talk about from 7 30 AM until the, er, on a Tuesday until the early hours of Wednesday, that's like essentially a 20 hour work day. I know they get paid handsomely, but what, what could they talk about all the time like this? Am I crazy? Like, I know there's little, there's nuances that you want to be attention to detail, attention to detail. I get it. But at a certain point, don't you just run out of shit to talk about? <laughs> the thing I, is, is that there's 11 guys on the field, 22 guys on the field at one time. And this is, you know, the crazy, I'm not, and this is part of the reason why I'm not a tape guy. I don't have the fucking patience to sit there and like, all right, I'm going to watch the left tackle and how he does with the defensive end. And then when you watch the left tackle, you also have to watch the left guard. But you can't fully watch the left guard because you're still looking at what the left tackle is doing because you're evaluating the left tackle. And it's like, oh, well, what? how, how does he get out of his stance? And then, oh, does he open up his hips? And, uh, you know, how are his feet evenly spaced out? Does his feet cross? What is his punch like? Is his punch straight? Or does he go towards the shoulders? Does he clamp? Or does he get right by the breastplate? So, all of that, and then you go, okay, that's just the left tackle. Okay, now let's now let's go to the left guard. Okay, now let's go to the center. And it's like ev- they need to do this for every single every, fucking every, player, for every, every little single tendency. play. Yep, every little pl- every every play, every tendency. And it's funny, I forget. I think I think it's later in the book. I remember reading it. Um, he talks about how for uh, for left and right tackles, they would they 
would study how obviously they watch more than one just game tape, but uh, an edge rusher like a speed guy like OCU Minora versus a, a guy like Demarcus Ware, how the left tackle and right tackle responds to a speed or a power. Yeah, every little every little thing goes into it, and it's 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 absolutely just crazy to me. Strahan um, talked it, a lot about the the art of it too. Um, especially when um, Runyon, we, he talked a lot about it with Runyon. Yeah, yeah. He went up against Runyon with um, uh, in Philadelphia for all those years. He talked about like the art and how it was like a dance. So, um, and how Strahan really prided himself on watching the tape and how he's going to approach each in each individual game with each individual offensive lineman and tackle that he would go up against. So, um, I mean, no, you, you said I, you know, you said I know that there's a lot of nuances to it, but that's where the answer kind of that's where the question starts and finishes where it's like, mm-hmm. yes, there's snacks. Why the game of football is so fun is because it is just so, so nuanced. Yep. It really is. And that's why I like a attention to details. All you hear all the time from yep. coaches and everything, but it is so true. You need every little aspect of, of, of everything. And it's funny to me, like, so Tuesday nights were the, were the players nights off. And that's when I was saying the seven 30 to the to early hours of Wednesday, Co- Coach Coughlin, I usually take a shower in the coach's locker room and sleep on the couch in my office. Like, <laughs> he, is a, he is a sick fuck. He really was. I am up by 5 a.m. on a Wednesday and start my routine. And this is I, – I will I will send it if you want to put it in. I don't know if you want me to read the whole thing real quick, but – um, give, give us some highlights. All right. So, yeah, so 5.20 a.m. strength program. 5.25 a.m. for a 60-year-old man strength program. Yeah, there was breakfast, review scripted tape, uh, team meeting at 8.25. Then there's study more tape. Um, study game plan book protections review practice schedule for Wednesday. Um, then media, which media was 20 minutes, which he hates. He literally talks this whole book about how much he hates the media. Um, <laughs> he does. He, he really does. Like not like how that he hates it, but every piece of, and I'm, I'm going to get right to, I'm going to get, when we talk about the only two start, every little thing is about how the media just, the media doesn't like me. They don't like the quarterback. They don't like the coach. Get rid of him. Get rid of him. <laughs> well, no offense coach. I love you, but when you when you lose three years in a row, you're not winning playoff games, and you start zero and two, on on a on a one year pretty much a one year prove it deal for yourself. Of course, the it's this is New York. Of course, the media's going to get you. It's not Jacksonville. Oh, I, every time he's talking about the media, bitching at him. <laughs> um, but in total, the, the day ends pretty much at like ten o'clock. So five twenty five for him to ten o'clock. And I'm not even I, I shit you not when I tell you, there is like five. There's probably more than five different film studies with offense, defense, special teams, all that shit. So, whew. and this is when they were allowed to practice more versus now. Imagine how much more film and classroom stuff there has to be. Yes. And I would assume that this past year, that was, that was a very big emphasis. So, um, all right. So, all right. So then he goes, then he goes into how they lost to Dallas and the, the defense couldn't stop nosebleed. Um, and I have a few some, things to say. Some, few things to huh? say it was you uh have, yeah you have a few things to say, to say? yeah rip it, um, baby rip it I, I i i this is at least for the dallas game you know maybe definitely for the green bay game too let me do a quick glance at the the box score scoring 10 yard pass 38 yard rush six yard rush All right so there weren't like very big plays and far how many passing yards do they have 286 so i mean i guess that's yeah at least week one 
deep explosive passing plays. I love to talk about on talking giants, but crossing routes, Jason Witten crossing patterns, just running across the field. Terrell Owens starts on one side of the field. He winds up on the other side of the field and he gets the yards after the catch. Um, the one touchdown that Terrell Owens had, I think it was a beautiful one handed catch. RW McCordish tried like out physical, out physical, like what am I, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Physical, out uh, out physicaling. That's not a word. Out physically. Really? Did you say out physically? Yeah. Um, I have no idea. I don't even know if you can make that work out. I, I'm going to say it out physically to Raul Owens. <laughs> Take it at the intermediate part of the field, tried hitting him, putting his hands on him, tried slowing him down, just ran right through him and caught a one handed catch in the end zone. Um, but I will say this is the game week one against Dallas where Plaxico Burris just broke out. Like he mm. had a really big coming out party. I, took, I was talking took the words out of my mouth. You fucking asshole. This is coming out party. Now I'm looking at the wrong game. Now, let's see. What was his stat line? His stat line was 12 catches, 12 targets, eight catches, 144 yards, three touchdowns. And the first, it was the first drive of the game that it was for the Giants, first drive of the season, mm-hmm. where it was a 60 yard post from Eli to Plaxico Burris. So it's just absolutely ridiculous stat line. Yeah. Um, but so the final score was 45 35. Am I, am I wrong about that? You are absolutely correct. Right. So he was, so Coffin talks about, he makes some excuses that this is the, the first regular season game under new defense coordinator, Steve Spagnuolo. So, okay, fine. Maybe you make a ju- yeah, There's adjustments. Um, Matthias Kiwanuka's first game uh, playing linebacker and not defensive end. Michael Strahan missed all training camp. So like there were, there were things in there that could probably lead to some excuses as to why, Dallas ran up and down the field all game, scored forty five points. Yeah, um, they also were an insane go, offense. They they were. They, Dallas was really good that year, really good. They were really Even good for like a stretch. Was good. Yeah, they were. I they, feel were. Like they were really they good were. every year from a stretch of 04 to fourteen. You know, if there were years where Tony Roman was hurt, I get that's that's an exception. But every year, I feel like they were good yeah, from like oh oh seven to fourteen. And you know what? That that's got to be the biggest one. And they had Wade Phillips and Jason Garrett. Man. They they are the biggest fucking losers in the world. Thank they you. had all these great teams and they never won shit. They won two playoff games with Romo under center. They didn't even win two playoff games in a season. Like in one playoff season, one 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 win done the next year. They're done the next game. That is asinine. They were so good and they they never won shit like that. What a fucking loser! And I hate their fuck. They have the worst fan base in the world. Sorry. Anyway, I God, I fucking hate the Dallas Cowboys so much. It's disgusting. America's team, my ass. My, my so you're basically saying America's a bunch of losers because they haven't won in two decades. That is true. You still call them America's team? Good for you. That's a great point. Are you it's calling a America a bunch point. of losers? You're calling America losers. That's not our team. Anyway, can't believe this went off like that. It's been a while. Good for you. Yeah, I don't know what got into me. But the big concern after the game was not the loss, Coughlin says. Um, so after the game, I am also concerned about Eli Manning, but not because of what he does on the field. And he had a good game. He said, with 7.20 left in the corner, so uh, he was he was thrown down to the turf by Anthony Spencer, who was a very good football player. Um, Eli went right back out there despite the pain in his right shoulder, starting with great field position. He threw a 10-yard touchdown pass to Plexico Burris. It was Eli's last snap of the night. So something had to have been wrong. Because it was a 10-point game. They made a 10-point game, and then they took him out. 
I will actually, I'll put the clip in. I actually found the clip. I'll put it in right now. Um, He got like, it really was like twisted to the ground and he landed really, really funky on his shoulder. And then Jared Lorenzen comes in after that hefty lefty. The hefty lefty, rest in peace. Um, We love you, Jared. So, yeah. And he goes on to talk a little bit more like during the week that Eli didn't practice. He didn't throw pretty much all week. And um, there was a report on ESPN that came out that Eli Manning will miss four games due to a, a dislocated shoulder. And Coughlin says that was news to us. Um, <laughs> so he goes, that was news to us. That's not from our team doctors. Nobody. Eli was pushing very hard to even practice, not just play the next week against Green Bay. He was pushing hard to practice. And we know Eli. He was he, practice was king for him, you know. That's that's where he was. It was his bread and butter. So he, he wound up playing, as we know, um, and he doesn't really go too much in it. And I, you were asking me before the show, like, is there more details about the injury? It, he doesn't really give that much. Because, that is still like a mystery to me. A dislocated right shoulder. That sounds pretty bad to me. Like, yeah, and, could, you know, the thing the things that we do know about it, and at least this is the things that I know about it. Right. You know, speaking as a younger fan, the things we do know about it. Eli Manning should have missed multiple weeks. Absolutely. He should have missed multiple weeks. I'm pretty sure Tony Romo. Remember when Tony, I mean, I guess dislocated shoulders, it could be, there's, there's severity to it. Remember when Michael Boley dislocated Tony Romo's shoulder and the, and the freaking wuss was out for uh, a couple weeks. It's like, do we stop Um, his toe? We missed fucking the season. Yeah. So Eli Manning dislocated his shoulder. He, he should have been out for a couple weeks. And I guess that's the, that's the report that came out that, maybe Coughlin is referring to that's like it was news to us or was that the narrative that came out after the season that said you know what Eli Manning should have realistically missed a couple weeks but he was a warrior and he kept on playing through let's believe that part because it makes Eli Manning look better of course and that's all we want to do on a Giants history podcast is make Eli Manning look as, as great as we possibly can promote the football team right so that's what that's what I know that's what we know that it was a bad injury he should have missed a couple weeks but he didn't, and he kept on playing. Now, if there is more information, you know, in the comment, you know, let us know, tweet at us, message us, whatever. You know, YouTube premiere, thanks for hanging out. Let us know. But that's my understanding, and you and I was hoping that Tom Coughlin would go a little bit more into it. Like, this is the diagnosis. This is what people were saying. We were fearful, but he doesn't really go into that. Yeah, and it, it really is funny. I thought you we would get more clarity about that because it really is a giant mystery. And like you said, the – there's one or the other that really could have happened, and I don't, I don't know the fine line in between. Yeah. So the Giants are 0-1. Um, they're moving on to Green Bay, and I, I'm sorry, I love this. You've probably never seen it because you don't, you haven't even seen like the Godfather, you simpleton. But anyway, um, so the night before the the Green Bay game, Co- all right. So Coughlin is he always found ways to try and motivate his teams. Not a sex crazed lion. He would have quotes and and. And, and, and uh, I think we talked about it in the summer. Um, the, the runner that was like crawling over yeah, the finish line. Yeah, 2011. Yeah. So he's yeah. always trying to find a way. 2011, right. He's always trying to find a way to motivate his team. So he watched, uh, he watched Miracle. He showed, he showed the team Miracle. Have you ever heard of it? I've heard of it. You've never heard of it, it, but you've never seen it. The 1980 U.S. team beating the Soviet Union. That was yes. like the most unstoppable team in the world. Yes. You believe in miracles? Yes. Ah, you finished it. Very good. So he played that. I just, I just wanted to say that. Uh, you know, sorry. And when you put, I'm not even reading it because a miracle gets me very emotional. So we're on to Green Bay, and I, I love this. So Brett Favre pretty much eats them alive. 26 or 29 for 38, 286 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Coughlin says here, 
But as happened against the Cowboys, we can't get pressure on the quarterback, and that is our downfall. Hmm. 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 That's pretty funny because doesn't this season turn out a little bit different? It does. So they 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 couldn't pressure the quarterback at all, and then they were the best pass rushing team in the league. <laughs> just just a few weeks later um so it, he really doesn't talk much about the green bay game because they they trailed 14 13 going to the fourth which is that's that's you're right there and then green bay ripped off like three touchdowns in a row eli did not look like himself the defense struggled late um but I, my big thing from him was what's more in 2006 we might have fallen apart after the green bay loss and we talked about 06 Yes. Uh, about a month ago, whenever it was that that team was just, it was, it was in disarray. And in 2006, I may have lost my composure and lit into guys. We talked about his change, but this isn't 2006 as chaos and panic swirled around us. We stay right on track. I don't blow my top and revert back to the old Tom. I love that. I don't, I don't revert back to the old Tom. How awesome is that? Yeah. Um, and I, I, I know we'll, we'll wrap up. We've, we've been going, but, Remember when I was saying how much he just like hates the media? Mm-hmm. So these days test my relationship with the media. The media is always brought up. <laughs> I have worked I have worked hard since the offseason to be more patient, more understanding, more respectful. It's so funny that he's like trying to sell it. That was doable when we were zero and zero. But uh, but what about when we were when we were 0 and 2? The questions about the defense come fast and hard and keep coming and coming. And I can't blame the media for asking. We haven't we haven't been very good defensively, but I have faith. And this this probably my favorite part. I got, I got some chills even about to read it. But I have faith. I believe this defense will come around under Steve Spagnuolo's leadership. Judy, who's his wife, later confines in me that Steve told her that we are going to be okay after the 0-2 start. I believe him. And that was it. Oh. I, oh. I, I, I got chills because you remember, you remember, I think it was, I guess it was the Super Bowl and, and the, the Dallas playoff game. Spags was shown like on his knee, like praying and going like this. The man of faith, he had the faith and Tom goes, I believe him. And we were talking about the pass rush a second ago. He figured it out and they were an absolute hoss. Hoss. I don't know if I use that. Either way, they were a locomotive, even better word. Great job snacks, a locomotive of a pass rush. So Tom's faith in Steve. Tom's faith in Steve's faith paid off. Yeah. I love it. All right. I love it too. So we, we're 0-2, and when we pick this back up, we have a – we start winning. We go on a win streak. We start winning. All right. Keep on bleeding blue. Nope, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Sorry. Eh, eh. Not yet. Sorry. Uh, our VP of player personnel had his five-year cancer scan, Danny Behan. I wanted to give him a quick shout-out. He is a, he he's our lifeblood. He helps us out a lot. So great stuff, Danny. Love you. Go ahead. Yeah, D- Danny Danny Behan was was pretty much the the first person outside of like the Talking Giants Bleeding Blue like team. You know, Danny King, Bobby Skinner, you, myself. First person to really like believe in like the new vision. Yeah. Um yeah, and he loves I, it. I like I don't you know, I don't know if I would have believed in it as much if it weren't for Danny Behan being along the right. So no, five, I, five years, right? I, I tell you, yeah, five years. He said he just had his five year checkup. So and everything I, I assume I maybe I missed the text, everything came back clean. So um Danny, we love you, buddy. And he really is like a, a very big help to us. So yes. uh, just I wanted to give him some love. Absolutely. All right, keep on bleeding blue. You know the drill. 
Uh, by the time you're listening to this, Rutgers has definitely beat Houston. Um, Rucker, Rutgers is back. Keep uh, chopping, baby. Keep top. chopping. Um, keep on bleeding blue. We will see you next week. We're continuing to talk about Tom Coughlin. Peace. Thanks for watching. Thanks for your support. We love you. <laughs>